Pit and Science Podcast. My name is Tyler Bubbles, and welcome back to the fifth Sunday of Easter for the week of May 19th, 2019. And I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to get in this week's podcast. And I am excited that at least here in northern Minnesota, we are definitely starting to see the evidence of spring. We are definitely starting to see more and more birds coming back, and the temperatures are getting warmer after a long, long winter. And I wish and hope that all of you here in the northern hemisphere is starting to see the same thing as we are continuing to progress toward that tilt being a little bit closer to the sun and that we are getting a little bit more of that warmth. For anyone below, I'm sorry. I hope you enjoy your fall colors and winter season as it is coming up. But before we get into this week's podcast, I have to do my shameless plug for Working Preacher. If you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend it between their Sermon Brainways podcast, their commentaries, their discussions. When you have seminary professors helping lead and giving you insight into the text, since I'm not an ordained minister, it gives me a lot of direction to contemplate and to figure out how to steer this podcast. And if you haven't checked it out, I would highly recommend it. One final thing before we get into this week's podcast, we have last week's Twitter question, which last week's Twitter question was, where are you with attachment to God? We talked about attachment theory last week and discussing where we're at with that. And it's something that I would say, I think all of us would say, it's a continual process. It's on some type of sliding scale that we continue to work toward and continue to figure out ways to get closer to the Father. And a shout out to Pastor Corey Furman this last week. I listened to his sermon and I wish that I had had the idea that he had and maybe in three years I will. He talked about in the sermon briefly, talking about how as a child knows the mother's voice after being in the womb for nine months. And I think it's a beautiful symbol to be able to look at how we should know Christ's voice. As we spend more time with him, we are able to understand and contemplate and know that voice so we know where he is coming from. And I think that's one of the things this week, especially with these texts, and I would focus on the gospel in the first reading, it becomes really evident that we should be working toward that and understanding that that is something that we should be striving toward. So with that being said, let's get into it. The gospel text this week is out of John chapter 13, verses 31 through 35. This comes right after Judas leaves, after Jesus has washed the feet and Judas leaves. And that's where you get in the beginning of 31 when he had gone out. So when Judas had left, Jesus is reminding them that he is soon to be glorified and he's only with them a little bit longer. So I give you a new commandment to love one another just as I have loved you and you should love one another. By this... Everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And one of the things as I was in a text study this week that we talked about and contemplated looking into the Greek is, is it purely the love is what the new commandment is? Because remember, this is coming right after the foot washing and that here you have Christ serving one another. So it's the love that comes from serving. And I think it's that's an interesting commandment because we've heard Jesus saying, love as I have loved you, multiple times within the Gospels. But to get this new commandment of telling us to serve and love by serving, that is a new commandment. And I think it leads beautifully 
into the first reading, which is out of Acts chapter 11, verses 1 through 18. So now Peter is out on his own. When Peter comes back to Jerusalem, some of the different Jewish people in Judea are criticizing Peter of why did you eat with the Gentiles? And Peter then goes through and explains this beautifully through where he was in Joppa and had these visions and talking about spending time with these people and that he had to do it multiple times. So yes, Peter has then this distinct vision talking about this. And I think the beautiful thing is as we're walking through this, look at how many times it takes Peter to realize that this is God's voice telling him to do this. Because the first time he gets the vision, nothing happens. In verse 9, but the second time the voice answered from heaven, what God has made clean, you must not call profane. And then in verse 10, it continues with, this happened three times and everything was pulled up again to heaven. That this took time for Peter to work through, to contemplate, to figure out that this was God's voice. And it's something I will use with our example this week that we often, I don't think, give the time to contemplate and really understand. And I think it's one of those things where we had in tech study this beautiful discussion, though difficult, talking about how times we get in the camps, we make decisions, we try figuring out if people are within our camps, and we aren't really accepting into hearing the other voice. And so that would be like Peter hearing the voice of God here in the beginning and saying, no, you told me that I'm not supposed to eat with these unclean people and just rejecting it. And no matter how many times the Lord comes to him, just it being rejected at the door. And yet we hear from Peter as he's listened, as he's deciphered, as he's worked through with the Spirit, understanding that, no, these are brothers and sisters. And he goes, he eats with them, he baptizes them, and that they are still God's people. And understanding that this is huge. This is the difference between Jewish and Gentile. This is not a light thing. These are huge dividing points within the culture at that point. And so the have where God is saying, no, this is not a divide is huge. And we'll get into that a little bit this week with an example that I think will work decently well, that I think we can understand being on this side of the argument, what we're talking about. The psalm this week is Psalm 48, and if this isn't a praise psalm, I don't know what a praise psalm is. It is said praise multiple times throughout it, and talking about how all of creation is praising God. From the creeping things, to the flying birds, from the mountains, to everything around is echoing the praise of God. And I think it's one of these beautiful choruses to kind of be remembering in the back of our head that Easter is not just one day, it's not even just one season. It's from this transformational point that it changes everything going forward. And so especially as we're going through this Easter season, realizing how important it is to give praise and thanks for what has happened with this whole thing, this whole creation that we've been given. The second reading is coming from Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 through 6. And this is then talking about kind of the new heaven, the new earth, 
and the holy city of Jerusalem, the new Jerusalem that will be coming, and how death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more, coming out of verse 4, that God will reign. It was also discussed at text study that if you look at Genesis, we're in a garden, and when we flee, we're fleeing to a city. And here we are toward the last chapters of Revelation and that we're getting a new city. We're not getting a garden, that it's going to be this new creation that's coming into being. And there's a lot of debate that can come around from this reading on whether or not where is this new heaven, where is this new earth. And I'm not going to get into that this time around, but I think it's one of these things of thinking about the creation as a whole and the appreciation and the newness of what that can be. So as I was contemplating and thinking about science, I thought about a lot of what Peter is kind of discussing and how it took him time to understand what that meant, understand what God was really calling him to do. And it's been one of the things that I keep thinking about my own life, that a lot of times God calls us to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. If you look at just the ministry of what Jesus is talking about, he does not put Christians or his group of disciples in comfortable situations very often. But it's also being able to decipher and realize when is this the appropriate, the appropriate uncomfortable situation to be in, and when is it that the Lord's saying, you're not the right person, get out of there. And I think it's one of the things that gets back in the last week is knowing the voice, knowing that attachment, knowing what that all means to be able to realize this. And understanding, kind of building off of what we have in the gospel where we're getting this commandment to love, but to love by serving. And that, to me, in the science community, that's part of why we're doing it. We're trying to understand more of God's creation. And so the service that we're doing is to provide and help people understand God's creation. And it's our responsibility as scientists to be able to give as much and as accurate information as we possibly can. And there have been multiple examples where that hasn't been the case. And there's been multiple times where, sadly, people will taint evidence so that it helps their agenda because they're not comfortable with being uncomfortable, not comfortable with what change that might bring. So the example that I looked at this week, and I will attach some videos down below, one being just sort of an hour documentary, and if you've done basic study of this issue, I think you will not need to go through it. But what I want to talk about this week is the big tobacco companies of the 50s and 60s and even into the early 2000s on how much deceit they did and in a way really tainted a lot of parts of science to help their agenda, which is unfortunate. So when you have, and it'll talk about in the documentary, there was a big meeting in 1953 where you're having a lot of the GIs coming back from war that they have use cigarettes, but they're trying to figure out, one, how to expand that into the next generation, along with expanding it into women. And a lot of these tobacco companies are kind of struggling to be able to do that and are struggling and starting to feel the pressure of, are we going to be able to keep up these sales? And this is right around the same time that you're starting to have some early studies done starting to associate 
that smoking and lung cancer were at least associated together. And so what came out of this meeting was working together to be able to do different propaganda together along with what about if we paid scientists to help generate or report the evidence that we were wanting to do. Essentially having corporate influence in on the scientists and to be able to twist and contort what the actual truth of the cigarette was. And so when you had the American Heart Association starting to go through with its studies and showing how the tar and stuff that was going on was having an effect, you had as much counterpoint and how they were, through clever marketing, being able to round off things to try to make it so it didn't sound as bad. So you still had this continuancy of people smoking because, while it's really not that bad. It's just a few studies. And we can even get fast forward it into the late 90s, early 2000s, where you went to the Supreme Court talking about how light cigarettes were not really that light. That they, again, the in this case, the federal government even knew, but especially the big tobacco companies knew, that the machines and stuff that they were using to simulate the amount of tar that a person would get from smoking was not the way that people were smoking them. Based off of how they had designed the cigarettes, people had to be able to inhale harder and push, and and they were taking more drags off that cigarette. So thus, they were having higher totals of tar than what the test labs were doing. And as we find in 2006, when the case finally got through the Supreme Court, that yes, they had to pay damages and spend at least a year, which was last year, going through and talking about how this stuff isn't safe. And why do I bring that all up is it put the consumer in a very odd spot. And it put the consumer in this position where we had to do research, where we had to really start to try to contemplate and understand because we had two dividing sides. We had a side that was pro-tobacco talking about how this wasn't that bad and trying to look at and understand why are they saying that. And the scary thing is, is as you dig into that, that they did have paperwork and it is public now that they knew that they were lying to the public and they were figuring out ways to be able to say things so that it didn't sound as bad as it really was. And they knew that the tests were, the tests for the light cigarettes were not an accurate way of actually figuring out how much tar was coming in through a cigarette. But let's not have the government change anything because it's making our numbers look better. It's making it appear that it's better than it actually is. So thinking about and contemplating and going through all these different things, we had that side camp and then you had the other side where you're starting to have this collective camp of saying that there's different things going on. You have more and more doctors stating that there was an issue going on with cigarettes. So what would the other side do? The other side would sit there and find the doctor that doesn't say that and use that as their pitch point. So it made it difficult to be able to cut through the noise, being able to figure out what is actually going on. Why is all these different things going on? And as we, I think most of us can agree, we can understand where the big tobacco had money behind it. 
They had an agenda. They have things where they were trying to sustain their own income. And whether it was ethical or unethical, and I will leave that up to your decision, and I definitely have an opinion on that, we often then have to figure out and cut through that noise to make our own decision and be able to inform ourselves from both sides to be able to understand this. Is this not what Peter is doing here? Peter knows what has been told in the Old Testament, yet God is talking to him and telling him, no, there's a new direction now. There's a new thing that you need to understand. These Gentiles are not any different. They are still my children. They are still loved. They are still cared for. They still have a desire to know me. So go with them, eat with them, spend time with them, love them, serve them, so that they can get to begin to understand who I am. There's so many times I feel in this life and where we are right now that we don't take that time. We try making split decisions as fast as we possibly can, and we don't give that time that God often needs for us to decipher, to understand. And the scary thing that I find with that, with a society that is trying to be geared more and more on science, is that's the whole way that science works. It is not making split decisions. It is saying that this is what this study says, but there's a whole section, the discussion section of a scientific paper, discussing what the processes were, and then you get into the conclusion that between those two, you can discuss problems that you had with the experiment, ways that it probably needs to be redone, ways that it needs to be looked at. Does this actually fully say what you think it says at the initial upbringing? Trying to get other perspectives on the results. Trying to get so that there is discussion about what you found that day. Is that data being able to be duplicated again in another test? And we have talked about that before and how our culture and how our society, how we've been trying to push things faster, how that's been to the the detriment of science. Because the whole idea is to have discussions. The whole idea is to have where we're able to duplicate this type of result within a range of a margin of error that makes sense. And yet, we're trying to push things through faster because we don't have time for that. Yet, here we have Peter saying that's not the way we're supposed to live. If we're supposed to love by serving, wouldn't we want to make sure that we're serving them appropriately? Wouldn't we want to make sure that our service wasn't going in vain? Wouldn't we want to make sure that you're not washing their feet with acid and the feet then are no good afterwards? We have to be able to slow down to hear the voice of what God is calling us to do, what God is telling us to do. In a world of go, 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 I'm starting to hear more and more as I, especially this time through the scriptures, am hearing God saying, you need to stop and listen. The go, go, go is not necessarily what I am calling you to do at this point right now. I'll tell you when to go. And there are times that I'm going to tell you that you need to just listen and walk with me for a while. We're uncomfortable with that. Do you think it was uncomfortable for Jesus' disciples who were fishermen being told you'll be fishers for men and having these huge crowds around them and trying to grasp the knowledge of what this man was telling them and telling them that he can heal people, but they have to trust in the Lord, telling them that the Lord will provide for them, 
to give up their career at that point to follow him. These are nuts. That's crazy. How often we don't understand then what God is trying to actually say. In this world of go, 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 the spirit that God has given us is often saying, stop and listen. To be able to understand the deprement of what cigarettes had done in the society, we had to stop and listen to the story after story after story after story to see the similarities of what was going on, to build the support, to be able to see that maybe what was being told to us by Big Tobacco wasn't exactly the case. The scary thing when I look at the world in which we are in today There are many issues that I feel are just on that same plane as Big Tobacco. But often, we have done a good job at getting marketed to by multiple different sources saying that this isn't a big deal. And we have to reflect on why is that source telling us that? Why is this source caring so much about this result? Are all my sources lining up? What is the other side then saying? And being able to actually listen. We have gotten away from the beauty and the gift of listening. We look for soapboxes that are similar to ours and we stand on them and shout from the rooftops the same thing as our group of people say. How often do we actually go across and hear the other side and really listen? really comprehend, even if it's hard, because this is hard for Peter. This is hard for Peter. And the amount of Americans and a lot of the study, but even the world, the amount of people that smoked was the majority. To have news saying that this isn't good for your health was hard. Peter, being a Jew, saying that These Gentiles, the ones who have been ridiculed, the ones they've been warned about for years and saying, no, go eat with them because they're still my creation. I still love them and you should still serve them and help them understand who I am. Starting in verse 15 of the Acts reading, and as I begin to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them just as it had upon us at the beginning. And I remember the word of the Lord, how he had said, John baptized with water, but I baptize you with the Holy Spirit. If the Lord gave the same gift that he gave us when we were baptized in the Lord Christ Jesus, who was I to hinder God? Who was I to hinder God? At the end of verse 17, we have to listen. We are called to listen because the understanding of who Christ has made us to be is in listening. Who God has made us to be is listeners. Telling the truth doesn't necessarily always mean using your voice. We know this. Actions speak louder than words. Actions mean that we have to be able to listen. And as we have multiple hot button issues that are going through our world today, and as you can imagine, I'm not going to get into them, but there are a laundry list of them It feels like people are either on one side or the other. How much have you actually listened to the other side, even if it's hard, to understand and contemplate to know where they are at? Because the power of that is then we are able to actually find the middle. 
we are actually able to find the place where we can both agree and understand that the other side isn't necessarily just trying to tear and say everything that you have is wrong. There's often a core belief that both sides have. But respecting each other, respecting the Lord, respecting the Holy Spirit in them, that should compel us to listen to it instead of speaking over it. Twitter question this week is, have you done enough listening and does your actions reflect that? Have you done enough listening and does your actions reflect that? I think it's something that we often forget We often are told that you have a new person move into a position and they have all the answers and the best ones, the best bosses, the best people in positions realize that they don't have all the answers, realize that they have to listen, realize when they have to buck a tradition or buck something because they're understanding their connection with and being able to explain why. Because their actions and being able to explain why they're bucking whatever tradition. But we have to then be able to meet and talk and discuss why we're changing things. Not just get upset. It is our human nature. We love using emotion to guide things. But when we're called to be able to listen and love and serve each other, we have to be able to listen. It's hard. It's not easy being comfortable with being uncomfortable. But nowhere in scripture does it say faith is easy, and nowhere does it say in science that the results are always easy to grapple with. They aren't. As we're facing many different issues today, the answers are constantly complicated and very hard to digest, which makes it all the more reason we need to listen to both sides, because both sides have a point and both sides have valid things to say. And if we're going to be true to who we are as a Christian, if we're going to be true to who we are as a scientist, we have to then listen. We have to be able to grapple. And we need the time to think and process to figure out the right answer for us individually, for us as a community, for us as a society, and for us as a world. These are not easy answers. They never meant to be easy. And that's part of the joy of life, the difficultness of it. Because if it was all easy, it wouldn't be fun to live. So, we'll wrap this up as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science.